For several weeks, we've been in the book of Acts. We've been looking at the first church. The, in the book of Acts, the New Testament church, when it was begun, when it was founded, and we've looked at the patient church, the devoted church, the unified church, the powerful church. This week, we're looking at the restored church. Um, we're going to see how Jesus restored one of the early church leaders from a damaged relationship he had with the Lord. Now, I hope and I pray that that gives you and gives me great hope about our own relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we have damage in relationships, don't we? Now, when we talk about restoration, when we talk about relationships, most often we think of human relationships. The, because we have the most damage, we think, between us and other people. And we, we interact with lots of people, our family, friends, work associates. And so we tend to think when we talk about a damaged relationship about human relationships. But I want to challenge you today to not just think about human relationships. I, I, as, I was, as I was preparing this sermon, my wife and I were talking about damaged relationships and we talk, thought back about relationships, and especially one for us was with her dad. So Summer and I were talking. Summer is my wife. So we were talking about that relationship and how there was a time when it was so broken, so damaged, that, that, there, was a, that, that there was a time I actually said this about her father. He had attempted suicide, and their family was so dysfunctional and so messed up that I said not proud of this, I said, I wish he would just get the job done and put himself out of our misery. Now, that's a pretty pathetic statement, but their family had been through so much struggle and so much mess that I said that. We watched, first of all, <clears throat> uh, Summer listened to the Lord as she was studying through the book of Genesis uh, where Joseph forgave his brothers and she said to me one day, months later after I'd made that statement, she said, you know what? God's told me I'd need to forgive my dad. My thought was, oh, crud. I think that means I probably need to forgive him too. And I don't want to. You see? Well, to make a long story short, God did a great work in Summer's life. And in my life, he used summer in my life. We forgave Pop. And God pushed us, nudged us, and empowered us to restore a relationship with him because we just pulled away. Restore a relationship with him. And to the point that it became, even though it was still a roller coaster, it became one of love for us. And we saw him come to know Jesus Christ before he died. Now, as rewarding as that was, I'm telling you, that doesn't begin to compare to when we as Christians, I'm talking about born-again believers, when we do damage to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and the damage is always on our side. It's not on His side, okay? He's perfect. He's holy. He's pure. And so the damage is always from our side of the relationship. But when we do damage and we allow him to restore, and we receive that restoration, listen, no human relationship can compare to when we're restored to that closeness 
with our Lord Jesus Christ. So today, I spoke earlier about a church leader. We're going to look in, in the Gospels and in the book of Acts at a church leader. His name was Simon Peter. Simon Peter was a fisherman, not a fisherman like I kind of consider myself a fisherman. I go fishing once in a while, but a fisherman like every day. That's what he did for a living. He and his brother Andrew and his dad, John or Jonah, had a commercial fishing business. They did that every day. And so when Jesus came to talk to Simon Peter, he went to where Simon Peter was, and that was fishing. And so, first of all, before we jump into Simon Peter's story, let's lay some of the, the groundwork. When we talk about restoring the church, we're not talking about restoring a building. We're not talking about restoring a structure or an organization. We're talking about restoring relationship. Every time I say it today, I'm not talking about any of the other structural things or organizational things. We're talking about relationship with the Lord, okay? So when restoration is needed, as we're going to see in Simon Peter's life, we, we assume three or four things. One, that there is a, a good relationship. You can't restore something that didn't exist. A good relationship, we assume that somebody in that relationship, and when it's with God, it's always going to be us, does damage to the relationship. And then third, that there is, at that point, restoration needs to happen. Okay? So, I want, uh, let's look at Simon Peter's relationship. We'll start in Matthew 4. We're going to go through the Gospel of John, chapter 21. We're going to end up toward the end of today's message in Acts chapter 2, where Pastor Charlie left off last week. But if you'll go to the Gospel of John, if you're using version, you just follow the Scriptures along with me. Uh, if you are looking in a hard copy Bible or a tablet or something like that, then I would advise you go to John chapter 21 and kind of wait for us there. We'll be there in just a couple of minutes, okay? Follow the rest of the Scriptures on the screen, if you would. So in Matthew 4, we pick up where Jesus initiates the relationship with Simon Peter. And by the way, that's always the case. We can never say, I looked for God, I looked for God, and finally I found Him. Listen, we never start the process of looking for God. We may think we do, but long before that, God has been there, and He's waiting on us to come around. He is seeking us out. So it's true in Simon Peter's relationship as well. Verse 18, Matthew 4, <clears throat> while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, Simon Peter left his business, his livelihood, his home, his family, all of those things. And when Jesus said, follow me, without hesitation, he just went. And he walked with Jesus for three years, roughly. He saw Jesus heal people. He heard Jesus teach repeatedly. He saw Jesus walk on water, calm the storm. In fact, a few weeks ago when I shared with you, we saw Simon Peter get out of the boat and walk on the water with Jesus. Simon Peter knew Jesus. He had a good relationship, a close relationship. And so, after those three years, there was a night before Jesus was going to be crucified, and they had what we call the Last Supper, the Passover. And after that, 
they're walking toward the Mount of Olives, and Jesus and Simon Peter are having a conversation, and we see it in Luke chapter 22. And here's what Jesus says to Simon Peter. Simon, Simon, behold, we don't talk like that. All he's saying is, Simon, hey, Simon, pay attention to what I'm about to say to you. This is important. Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, okay, it's subtle. It's between the lines here. But Jesus said, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned again, that's a similar word to what we call repent. I'm going this way. And I realize, God helps me realize it's the wrong way. And I turn from doing it my way and turn to his way. So he's telling Simon Peter, you're going to turn the wrong way. And when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Now, Peter was like us, not the sharpest tool in the shed, okay? So Peter didn't get, instead of just saying, okay, Jesus, he said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. They knew Jesus was, was, was being sought after. And so Simon Peter said, hey, hey, that's not going to be me. I won't need to turn again. If I have to go to prison, if I have to die with you, that will not be me. And Jesus said, just calmly, I, I imagine, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Jesus knew what was going to happen Peter vowed it would never happen. Then they arrested Jesus and took him away for his trial. And there in what they call the court, uh, courtyard uh, with, at a fire, with others around a fire, Simon Peter three times denies he knows Jesus. Once with a servant girl, once with another person. The third time he swore that he didn't even know this guy called Jesus. I'm just a spectator here. And he did exactly what he said he would never do. And then the rooster crowed, just like Jesus said, and that close relationship is damaged. Here's what I'm going to ask you to think today. Don't think of a human relationship that was damaged. Think of a time in your life. It could be months ago, years ago. It could be a few days ago. It could be minutes ago when you denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, don't think, well, well, I never did what Peter did. I didn't swear and curse and say, I don't know Jesus. Think about this. Think about the time when Jesus said, like he does to me, Dwayne, it's time to take this next step, and here's the step. And sometimes I take that step, but there are times when I say, let me think about it a little longer. And he says, well, the best time is right now. And I say, how about tomorrow? And he says, the best time is right now. I say, how about maybe next week? And the next day he'll say, the time is still now. And I'll say, how about next month? And after a while, it becomes next year. Delaying is denying, isn't it? It's denying that he knows what's best. So let's just get honest with ourselves. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all done that. It might be this morning. It might be a year or so ago. But I want you to keep in, in your mind that kind of a relationship with the Lord Jesus. 
You know him as your Lord and Savior, but there's denial there. So, Peter turned his back on Jesus. Now, we, we, we have the advantage of having a sneak peek ahead to know that, that it kind of works out in the end. But for the time being, let's act like we don't know that, okay? So, in that moment, Scripture tells us in Luke 22 that Jesus turned and looked at Simon Peter. And Peter ran out and went, the Bible says, and wept bitterly. And I think that might even be an understatement. I think he sobbed uncontrollably, deeply sorry for the sin he had just committed. And here's the hard part of where Peter was right then. I believe he thought for sure Jesus was going to die. And he believed that he would never have the opportunity to restore the relationship with the Lord Jesus. What a terrible place to be. And that's where Simon Peter was. And so here we are with a guy, leader of, of the, among the apostles, who desperately needs to be restored. I think back to uh, a sermon series Pastor Charlie did a couple of years ago. <clears throat> I don't remember the series, but one, one of the sermons was entitled Forgiveness, and the next week was entitled Reconciliation. And what Pastor Charlie said stuck with me and, and will stay with me the rest of my life. A very simple statement, but profound. And where he put the word reconciliation, I want us to put the word restoration. He said, it only takes one person to forgive. But it takes two or more people for reconciliation or restoration to happen. See, I want us to look at this story and see what each of the two people did in this, in this true story, by the way, not some made-up story, not a fable. And we're going to look at what they did throughout the, the Gospels. And then at the very end, in Acts chapter 2, we'll see what the Apostle, uh, the Apostle Peter did at the end. So first, let's look at Jesus. It's always good to start with Jesus, okay? So, the first thing he did, and those of you who are note takers have been wondering, when is this guy going to start filling in my blanks? Now. Okay? Uh, that's the way I am. A real smart aleck. Uh, when I sit down, if I haven't read the manuscript of the sermon for something beforehand, I take the, the paper one and sit here, and I think, I know what he's going to say. So, with an ink pen, you notice we don't put pencils on the back of the seats. With an ink pen, I just fill them all in. This is what he's going to say. Then, my entertainment for the rest of the sermon is this. Going back, scratching out the answer I put, <laughs> and putting the one Pastor Charlie really says. Okay? I know some of you are like that. Okay? So, get ready. If you already filled them in, get ready to scratch some of them out. Here's what Jesus did. He forgave Simon Peter. Now, let's look back to the days before the crucifixion, before the resurrection, when Jesus was teaching with his disciples. And there's a passage in Matthew 18 where he gives Peter a lesson about forgiveness. It says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? In other words, he's going to sin against me. How often should I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times. But 77 times, some of the translations say 70 times 7, which, do the math, 490. I don't know which it is, but it's a whole lot more than any of us ever want to forgive people, right? But forgiveness wasn't just what Jesus taught. It was what Jesus did. It is inherent in Jesus' character to forgive. 
So let's jump ahead now. After the resurrection, Jesus came to Simon Peter specifically and says, and they rose. Um, this is a group of disciples who were traveling, and Jesus appeared to them. And when they finally realized who he was, they immediately went back. They rose the same hour, returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed. And he appeared to Simon. He chose to appear to Simon first. Now, I believe that's the strongest signal that Jesus made a, a, a very important decision, a very critical decision that he was going to seek out the one who, at the last moment before his death, denied him. And so he forgave Simon Peter. I don't think in that moment he, he, he came up to Peter and said, hey, Pete, Remember the time when I was teaching and I talked about forgiving and you said seven times and I said 77 times. I don't think he was teaching. Here's what I believe happened. Can't find it in Scripture, but I believe something like this probably happened. I think he appeared to Simon Peter and he just wrapped his arms around him and he said, Simon, I forgive you. You are forgiven. And I think that was sufficient I don't know all that was said. You don't know all that was said. But here's, here's what I do know. He forgave Simon Peter because that's who Jesus is. He not only forgave him, he pursued Simon Peter. So Simon ran away, remember? You'd run. I would run because he was ashamed. He was condemned. He was probably guilt-filled. He wanted out of that situation just like you and I would. But let's see what Jesus did in John chapter 21, the very first verse. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. And there's a, a story that's going to follow we'll walk through. But here's what is amazing to me about this verse. Is Jesus didn't give up. He went to where they were, just like he goes to where you are and where I am. And he kept revealing himself to Peter. He pursued Simon Peter, and he didn't give up. In fact, in verse 14, we can look ahead just for a second. It says this, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Jesus was persistent. So let's follow the story in John 21. Verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. They decided to go fishing. Uh, maybe, they, maybe they need to make a living. That's what they did for a living before. Maybe they're going back to paying their bills and that kind of thing. Or maybe they're just for diversion. Bible doesn't tell us why. But they decided to go fishing and they catch nothing. But just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. I'm telling you, I would love to be able to do that. Remember, he did that to those disciples on the road. Uh, and then he did it to these guys who had been with him for three years. I don't know how he does it. I just know he's supernatural. He's able to do it. Wouldn't it be the coolest thing ever to just show up somewhere and... People have to introduce themselves to you. They don't know it's you. Now, it might not be so cool when you start hearing what they say about you or about me, 
but I still think it's, it's, it's an amazing thing here that Jesus showed up, and for a little while, he didn't choose to reveal who he was. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. I'm familiar with that answer. When I go fishing, people go by on the bank or come by on a boat or whatever. That's my answer too. Are you catching anything? Nope. And that's just, it just seems to me, and, and, and a friend of mine and I who fished together some uh, after the first service, he said, I found the problem when we go. We're fishing on the wrong side of the boat. I said, yes, but the problem with us is you're fishing on that side. I'm fishing on this side. Both sides of the boat are the wrong side when we go. At any rate, these guys said, nope, we're not catching anything. And Jesus does something that gets their attention. I think he did this not just to get all their attention, but to get Simon Peter's attention. Because let's follow the story. And, and it's, it's the only recorded miracle after Jesus' resurrection. So I think it's, it's, it's important that he did this with Simon Peter present. Verse 6, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. He, he didn't kill himself. He threw himself in the sea to swim, to get to Jesus, okay? He, he was going to Jesus. He wasn't going to wait for the guys to haul in the nets. He wasn't going to wait for them to row to shore. He was waiting for nothing or no one. And I'd say, if you want to be restored when it's that time you've broken a relationship with God, this is a really good example. Just throw yourself in full steam and respond to Jesus. Even though Simon Peter had blown it, like probably none of us have blown it, he responds. Too many people, when we, myself included, when we blow it, we isolate ourselves. We isolate ourselves from other Christians, church, worship, Bible study, prayer, and we get over to ourselves instead of doing the very thing that would solve our problem, what Peter did here, and that is just throw yourself in the water and, and go to Jesus. Whatever it takes, push, pull, drag, go to Jesus. And that's what Simon Peter did. Verse 8, the other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Although there were so many, the net was not torn. Let me make application for all of us right here. See, Jesus didn't give the disciples just what they needed to have breakfast or lunch or whatever it was when he showed up there. He gave them far more than they thought they could even handle. And when we come to him and he's pursuing us, listen, he will every time give us far more than we ever believe we need. He doesn't say, mm, I think you need about an ounce and a half of forgiveness and restoration here. Here's an ounce and a half. I think he'll give us a ton when all we may need is an ounce and a half. That's what he did for these guys. 
What he does, he'll always do in abundance. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? See, some of the others didn't know it was the Lord previously. They knew now it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. From the dead. He pursued each of them but very especially, he began with and continued pursuing Simon Peter. He forgave, he pursued, he restored Simon Peter also. Verse 15, when they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? We don't know if these were his friends, associates, disciples, or this, all of this stuff that's your livelihood but whatever it was, he said, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he restored him to his work. He said, feed my lambs. He gave him his job back. Now, those of you who have been around Fellowship of the Rockies know that I understand how that feels. I was given a job back last year. And I'm glad, you may not be quite as glad, but I'm very glad that God gave me my job back. That God used Pastor Charlie and our elders to do that. So, he's talking to Simon, and he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, why did he not call him Simon Peter? Jesus was being real with Simon. He didn't gloss over the past. He went all the way back to when he was still son of John, and he had him by the charcoal fire, by the sea, and he called him by his old name, and he was reestablishing. He was restoring him. Listen, Jesus never glosses over our mistakes, our sin, our denials. But he will restore us honestly and truthfully. So, the last thing Jesus does. He renewed the call of Simon Peter. And in verse 18, he, he goes into this whole thing of, of truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and a, a, a big long um, discourse about what's going to happen in Simon Peter's life. And then in verse 19, it says he said this to show by what kind of death Simon was to glorify God. And after saying this to him, he still said, follow me. He kept saying that. I believe this is a point at which they were getting ready for what was coming next, Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and he knew exactly how he was going to use Simon Peter, and he was renewing his call that I want to use you greatly. He said, I'm not done with you. Uh, there's healing that needs to happen, but you follow me. Your calling is renewed stronger than ever before, so now let's look. Jesus has done everything he needs to do. Simon Peter needs to give an appropriate response, doesn't he? Let's see what he did. The first thing Simon Peter did, I think, is that he believed Jesus. He trusted him enough that whatever Jesus said, he, would, he believed him. You remember, he ran away, he wept bitterly, he was separated from the group and, and thought was separated from Jesus. And let's look at the end of Acts chapter 1, verse 26, when, when the apostles are having this little meeting where they 
draw lots and say, hey, we need to get this number back up to 12 because Judas is gone. Judas the betrayer killed himself. And so you know, Pastor Charlie was telling us a couple of weeks ago about this meeting. And it says this, and they cast lots for them and the lot fell on Matthias. So he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So the 11 who were there included Simon Peter. He had, he had isolated himself for a while and wept bitterly. But when Jesus came to him, and I believe just said, Simon, I forgive you, then he went, believed Jesus, and he went back with the eleven. He was with them. Then the second thing he did, besides just believing in his, in his head, he, he received the restoration. He didn't stay in isolation. He was restored, and he acted like he was restored. It wasn't just in his mind. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Charlie said that all together means in one accord, in one place. They were unified when he talked about the unified church. So all together equals in one accord equals unified, in unity. There's no way to be unified in one accord unless you've received God's forgiveness and, and restoration. No forgiveness, no restoration, no unity equals a bitter, isolated person, I believe. And so I think he had received that restoration, and he was back on track at this point. Now, listen closely. I don't find anything in Scripture that says Simon Peter forgave himself. Track with me. How many people do you know or how many times have you said, I, I, I believe God's forgiven me, but I just can't forgive myself. Don't raise your hands because we've all kind of been there. But here's my challenge. Please show me in the Bible anywhere it says that you need to do that or that forgiving yourself is effective. Here's what needs to happen for us to be restored, forgiven and restored. We need to do what Simon Peter did. When Jesus says, I forgive you, and that's what he promises us as believers in Jesus Christ, as those who are born again, he promises us forgiveness and restoration. We are going to blow it. We are going to, to deny him. We are going to sin. And when we need that restoration, if, if and when Jesus says, I forgive you, I restore you to that close relationship if we say, well, I'm just having trouble forgiving myself, okay? In college, the first three years of college, before Summer and I were married, I lived in the dorm, and I, I, I made good grades, but I have to confess, I played way too many games of spades. I tried penny ante poker, and I always lost my money, and so I didn't dare graduate to anything bigger than that. I just quit, okay? I was smart enough to not uh, lose all my money. So with spades, all you lost was your pride when you lost. But I remember any time you were dealt your hand and the ace of spades showed up, it's like, I know I have one trick. I'm going, I'm going to get that no matter what. Anybody lays down, when I drop the ace of spades on that, it's mine. As I talk to people, and I've talked to lots of people, Christian people, for a lot of years, 
And I hear them say, I believe God's forgiven me. I just can't forgive myself. It's like God lays out all the cards and they reach in their pocket and pull out the ace of spades and go, yeah, Jesus, I know you did all of that, but I couldn't possibly be forgiven. Nothing could be further from the truth. Satan has caused us to believe a total lie if we think God's forgiveness, God's restoration is not sufficient. Simon Peter received, believed it and received it. That's all it took. If you're having trouble agreeing with that, bring some Scripture. Bring me some Scripture that shows His forgiveness is not enough. His restoration is not enough. Let's just believe it and receive it, okay? That's what Simon did. The third thing he did, he obeyed immediately. Now, in, in the book of Acts, I'm not going to go through his whole sermon. It's a long one, and at the end of it, it says, and with many more words, he, he spoke to them. But look at this. In verse 14, Jesus has, has told him, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to renew your call to the ministry. And listen, if you've ever been put back into a work of ministry that God designed you and called you for, you understand the fulfillment I'm talking about when God does that and you, and you step back into it. So here's Peter, day of Pentecost. They're accusing the people who have just given the message in all the different languages of being drunk. And Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Let's skip to verse 21. He says, after he's told them about all the prophets and all the things that are coming true in this very day, he says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall receive salvation, shall be forgiven of sin and born again, given eternal life. That's precisely what Simon Peter was talking about here. The, the most crucial message of the whole world. And then let's skip down to verse 36. He says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He's saying, Jesus is Lord. That's the boss of everyone and everything. He is Messiah. He's the the chosen one who has come to bring salvation to Israel and the world. And by the way, all of you are guilty of his crucifixion, and you need help. Verse 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Now, that doesn't mean if they didn't get baptized, they didn't receive salvation. But they repent, they believe on Jesus Christ, they're given salvation. And the immediate thing to follow is obedience in baptism because it's a picture of death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the death to our old life and the resurrection to a brand new spiritual life He gives us. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will absolutely will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God coming to reside in you. He shared the promise of salvation for everyone. And then look, 
what Simon Peter's obedience did. He believed God. He received the restoration. He obeyed. Verse 41. Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day 3,000 souls added to the kingdom of God with Peter standing up and obeying and believing that he really, truly was restored and accepting that and acting like he had been restored. That's how Jesus restored Simon Peter. That's how he'll restore you. That's how he'll always restore the church. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please?